chapter 8, verses 18 through 23. Uh, There's a Bible underneath your pew if you need it, or you can look it up online. Uh, Please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hopes that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The word of God for the people of God. Speed of God. Um, so as Pastor Steve I mentioned, he's on his way uh, today. So today is actually a video sermon that Steve recorded. Um, so with that, I will turn it over to Mike to turn on the video. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here with you, at least to be with with you in spirits. Uh, Myself, Justin, and Sarah, we should be uh, well on our way to the airport slash at the airport. Not sure exactly where we are right now, Uh, but we are going to be going to Kyrgyzstan today. And uh, we are very excited about that trip and would really appreciate your prayers and everything uh, for for myself, uh, Sarah, Justin, and for Kaylin and Kyle as well. Um, And... uh, we look forward to sharing with you the many blessings of the trip and uh, sharing about all the things that we've experienced that we're not just going for ourselves, but we want to go on behalf of the whole church to be the eyes and ears and heart uh, of uh, this ministry uh, and to represent all of you as we are, uh, uh, as we will be with uh, folks in Central Asia in Kyrgyzstan. So uh, yeah, I have to say uh, just as a preface that I feel like I'm a little out of practice in preaching to a screen. I had to do it a lot during the pandemic, but thankfully I haven't had to do it uh, as often. And so it's been been a while since I've done a video sermon. And so if you would uh, be gracious, but also be prayerful with me that uh, hopefully this message will not uh, be so, I, I guess, uh, disconnected in a way, if that, that makes sense, that that's, Hopefully the Holy Spirit can communicate to you uh, through this medium. And uh, uh, yeah, if we could just take a moment to pray, uh, that that can be so. So God, we thank you so much for giving us the gift of technology. And that even though I cannot be here in person, that I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I hope that the message will be clear and I hope your Holy Spirit will convey it to our very hearts and to our minds and to all that we are, God, the word that we need to hear today and we can be receptive to it. We can be open to your Holy Spirit. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we are continuing in the book of Romans and uh, it has been quite a journey that we are taking our time, kind of uh, uh, taking the passages little by little. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to, you know, try to swallow a steak in one bite, so to speak. But Romans 8 is uh, a really deep and, and very 
textured and layered passage and there's so much there so many good things that that we wanted to take our time to savor to chew on it a bit and to unpack some things and so we are continuing in romans 8 and um you know i I have to say that uh what we are going to be talking about today um we'll be talking about some issues of kind of like suffering and those sorts of things uh but also this question of is it worth it this is the question that I, I think we need to ask ourselves and a question that I've asked myself too. you know, obviously the job that I have is to be a professional religious person, uh, you know, to say that, that uh, as a kid, I was very involved in church and, you know, throughout uh, uh, a lot of my young adulthood and then, you know, feeling the calling and making the decision to make this my job, to make this my life, uh, to, to be in and around church. Um, and, and what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean, uh, to be about the business of the kingdom? Uh, I think that very traditionally we think of some cost with that, you know, that we talk about the, the cost of following Jesus. Jesus talks about the cost of following Jesus. And I, I, I just wonder, you know, have we thought about that? Have we thought about this question of, is it worth it? What are you giving up when you decide to follow Jesus? And, and I think that's what this passage uh, really hints at. And I have to say that um, I think that there are a lot of things in this world that we have to think through whether or not they're worth it. I want to use kind of a silly example uh, from my life. <laughs> uh, I, I am somebody who enjoys video games. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of my hobbies and spare times kind of uh, circle around uh, video games. I'm really into like the old ones, but I have to tell you about uh, a, a video game that probably is the one that I spent the most time on, especially uh, in my uh, earlier adult years. I don't play it anymore, but it's a game called World of Warcraft. And I have to say that I sank probably thousands of hours into this game. And it was a game that did require quite a time investment uh, to kind of advance to a higher level. Um, it, it's it's a, a, a called an MMO, a massive multiplayer online game. You know, so you're playing with other people, and to advance higher, you would join like a group of of people. They called it a guild. And uh, in order to like, I don't know, I'm just gonna use this example to, you know, to defeat some big dragon or something. You would need like 40 players to be online all at the same time. And that they, they would call these these raids. You go into a dungeon and you got to defeat the dragon. And it would literally take hours. You know, it, it could take maybe eight to 10 combined hours to finally defeat this dragon. And you would need to do this like once a week. And the thing is that after all of this, you get 40 people together. You know, it, it takes so long that sometimes you have to spread it out over several days. You know, you're not doing eight to 10 hours in one chunk. I mean, who has time for that? You know, but, you know, maybe like two, three hours, sometimes four hours at a time, you'd be trying to kill this dragon. And what do you get for it? <laughs> is it worth it, that that amount of time that you're spending? And the funny thing is that sometimes you would kill the dragon and you don't get anything, you know? Every once in a while, um, like maybe you get a special sword, you know, and you get this slightly better sword than what you had before uh, for defeating the dragon. And 
again, is it worth it? You know, for, for one thing, it's not a real sword. <laughs> you know, it's just pixels, right? It's just digital, right? The zeros and ones in coding in a game, you know, it's not even real. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I wonder, you know, this example is kind of silly, but I wonder if there's things like that in your life where, where you kind of like, you know, in retrospect, look at something that you spent so much time on and you're like, was that really worth it? You know, uh, maybe sometimes we might feel this way about things like school, you know, or our workplaces. And there are these things that we spend so much time in and we invest in it, right? In order to get what? You know, maybe the good feeling of getting a good grade of, uh, you know, the admiration of your peers, you know, maybe at the end of the day, there's a career that's waiting for us. And then when we get the career, there's money and these kinds of things. And what does the money get us? It gets us stuff and it gets us uh, prestige and it gets us, you know, a, a more comfortable life. And friends, we are not saying that any of those things are bad, but I do think that there is a question for almost anything that we do in life, you know, that there's only so much time, only so much energies, only so many resources for finite human beings, you know, and we have to ask that question, is it worth it? And so when it comes to following Christ, you know, I have to say that, like we said, there can be some cost in, involved. And maybe there is this kind of stereotype that, you know, would it be make life easier if I didn't have to follow Christ. And, you know, maybe I could take some shortcuts morally, you know, that there's some people that, you know, uh, if you're a Christ follower, you may not cheat or steal or, you know, take take these kind of uh, shortcuts in, in, in your career or whatever, that, that, that wouldn't be moral or that wouldn't be a Christ-like thing, you know? And I wonder if there's people who feel like, oh man, like if I didn't have to do that, it just would make my life easier, you know, that there is this, this idea of sacrifice and maybe doing some things where you, you got to like forgive people or, you know, you, you have to put in this effort. I mean, even things like church, you know, uh, is it worth it to spend uh, th those couple hours at church, you know, to have to get up on a Sunday when I could have slept in or I could have watched some football or, you know, I could have gotten a nice brunch at uh, Gandhi Dancer or someplace like that, you know, uh, th that's, that's a local Ann Arbor place for those who aren't in the area. But, you know, there are many of us that, that sometimes wonder at that. And again, I don't think, um, I think it's something that, that, that it's not a necessarily a bad question to ask, is it worth it? You know? And, and so, you know, and to kind of take this a little further, I mean, we're talking about some little sacrifices here, but there are people that for the sake of Christ have literally um, given up their lives, you know? Uh, definitely given up comfort. You know, some people were persecuted or put in prison for the faith, especially in countries where it wasn't legal per se, you know, or following Christ really cost you something major. What if it cost you your job? Or what if, you know, people uh, around you uh, really didn't understand what you were doing and they made your life uh, horrible for following Christ. All of those things have happened in the history of the church and they were happening in Paul's time too. And so when he talks about the suffering, you know, um, it's something that he takes very seriously. And he's, he, he does say in verse 17, which we read last week, he says that uh, he talks about this idea of being children of God, that we are heirs of, of, of Christ. And so we get to have the life that God wants for us, that, that he has for Christ. We get to share in that. And sharing in that also means sharing in suffering, 
right? And and we we can't shy away from that. We need to acknowledge that. Let's look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So he says that if you want to be glorified with Christ, you also need to suffer with him. It, it, it's it's the total package. You can't have one without the other, right? In, in other words, there is a cost. And friends, I have to say that there's a cost to everything. You know, um, that I, I heard someone say once, um, I'm sure this is an, an original thought, so I'm not going to quote the person that I heard it from, uh, because I, I'm sure, you know, many people have said this, but uh, it's an interesting thought exercise to say that in life, there will always be some degree of suffering, you know? So for example, um, you could even say like, okay, m- the point of my life is to avoid suffering. I, I just don't want to suffer at all. I-, I think that that's how a lot of people feel in 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 contemporary America, you know? We, we have so much money or, you know, some of us do, I- but let's just be honest, uh, America is uh, one of the wealthiest countries. We are in one of the wealthiest time periods in the history of America, right? We have so much stuff that can make our lives easier, right? And so not to say that we don't have um, difficulties in life, but let's just say that that's your goal. I just want to eliminate all suffering, right? And maybe what you do to do that is you're like, okay, you know, what's really unsafe is people. So I'm just never going to be around people, you know, and I'm just going to kind of like insulate myself in this box, right? I'm going to have a gated community and I'm going to have the security system set up and I'm going to be in a place where no one can ever harm me. But then as you're sitting there in your safe house and being padded and locked in and all this stuff, you realize that you are by yourself <laughs> and you're alone and maybe no one can harm you from that external standpoint but being alone is a kind of suffering not being able to do things maybe there's some things that require you to experience some risk i don't know maybe like it would be incredible to climb a mountain and to stand at the top of it and look down and look at how beautiful the world is. And that would be a, an amazing experience that would feed your soul. But there's risk involved. To climb that mountain would involve some risk and a certain amount of suffering, if I can call it that, right? You, your legs are going to suffer, right? You're going to feel the, the burn of the lactic acid as you're working all those muscles and getting up there, right? So friends, there is always going to be this kind of interplay between the things that we want in life, the things that we think are good, that we don't think of as suffering or, or uh, 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 any kind of difficulty, um, and the things that, 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 the, the things that, that can be difficult in life. There's, there's always going to be uh, a, a kind of a, a give and take, so to speak, and Many of these things, they need to exist at the same time, right? And to take out uh, all suffering is going to be its own form of suffering. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Because um, as we talk about suffering, friends, I think that we can get it twisted to say, well, I just don't want suffering. And this is the lesson. You're always going to suffer, right? To, to some extent, there is always going to be suffering in life right? Even the attempts to eliminate suffering will be 
its own form of suffering. <laughs> so uh, let's continue in verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? So there's this idea that, yes, there is a cost, but it is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, friends, uh, you're going to see, and we're going to go there, that we're talking about this idea that suffering, yes, but also glory, the glory that God wants you to experience, right? And it does seem to be saying this is a future glory. But friends, uh, yeah, let, let, let's, let's look at this further. What, what are we talking about here? It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Sons and daughters of God, right? We are heirs of Christ, and that's why they use the language of sons. We are like Christ, but this goes for men and women, right? The creation waits for, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Okay, so let's stop there for a second. So, friends, I have to say that this passage has been very difficult for me to understand. Um, because the language of creation is just, it's hard for me to get any, you know, traction with that, to, to, to really be able to sink my teeth into that and understand what does that mean for me? Like, like, what do I have to do with all of creation, right? It's for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. And that just sounds like this kind of like, big cosmic thing, right? The whole creation is longing. Does that mean like the mountains and the oceans and, you know, uh, the trees and the atmosphere is waiting for us to be revealed as the children of God? And I have to say that um, what has helped me to understand this was reading some commentaries on this. And the actual word for creation is the created and there are some people who think that what they're really talking about here is humanity. And when you substitute the word humanity for creation, I think this passage makes way more sense. And so I want to read this again for you. For humanity waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For humanity was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that humanity itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of humanity has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Aha! I think that we can start really just digging into the truth of this when we understand that it's not just rocks and trees that are groaning, you know, that, that have been suffering in futility. It's humanity. What are we talking about here? What have we been talking about in the entirety of Romans 8? It's this idea that life by the flesh, although it be natural, is in some ways going to be filled with futility. All these things that it's talking about. It is describing life when we are just led by our natural flesh and we are not led by the spirit. Remember, we already talked about that the flesh 
will very strongly be activated and be influenced by things like fear, right? Your flesh is going to try to keep you safe. And the best ways it knows how to do that is fight or flight or freeze, right? That there's this kind of default humanity, the default mode network of your mind. There is what we call lizard brain. And in many ways, we are just trying to prioritize in this kind of, of, of mindset. We are prioritizing comfort and trying to minimize any discomfort, any kind of threats, right? And so we are not free to do some of the things that would be uh, what we were created for. Things like love. Love involves risk, friends. I think I hope that you know that. And so when we start talking about this idea that you might have to suffer in some ways, as we all have to suffer, but the suffering that you will go through as a child of God is nothing in comparison to the glory that you can experience. Imagine this, that a child of God is somebody who is free to love like Christ. So you can love the way that Jesus does. You can forgive the way that Jesus does. You, you can be involved in this kingdom project of helping to repair and heal this world instead of just looking out for yourself, looking out for number one, just looking out for your own comfort, looking out for your own selfish interests, just looking out to make sure that I get mine and that I get lots of money and that I'm comfortable and that no one can harm me. Do you see those two things are different? Right. And that's the way this way of just self-preservation is the way that most of humanity has lived and look at where it's gotten us. Right. It, it, we, we are in bondage to this. It is a kind of corruption of the way that we were meant to be. We were meant to be created in the image of God, the way that Jesus is. Right. Jesus in his freedom to love people. It's so beautiful. Look at how Jesus goes and heals people. But in so many ways, friends, because we're just trying to protect ourselves, we've done so much harm to each other, right? And, and, and I think that when you look at this world, I mean, oh my goodness, when you look at what it says about creation, that it's waiting with eager longing, that we've been groaning, that we've been subject to futility, that we have been in bondage and corrupted, that, 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 that we've been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. We want something new to be born. What is that? It is a new way of being, a new way of, of humanity. It is to be the children of God. And friends, if it requires some suffering for you to become that, to become what? The children of God. To become like Jesus, right? And there is this idea of this process, this future idea. Friends, I think we've made the mistake of reading passages like this, future glory, as only thinking of heaven. And not thinking of it as right now, here in this world, the children of God can be revealed. What would that look like? It would look like if the church would actually be the church of Jesus Christ that lives like Christ, that loves like Christ, that forgives like Christ, you know, that the way we react to stress is different. You have all these people who are like super anxious. And then you look over and you see somebody who really seems to have some genuine peace. I tell the story in our membership class about John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement. And John Wesley was on his way to America because he thought he was going to be this great missionary to America. He was from England. Right? And at the time, America was a colony. 
And he went there and I know this is not politically correct, but this is what he wrote in his journal that he was going to save the savages, right? The, the, the native people. And so there was this kind of spiritual arrogance. He thought he was better than people like, oh man, I know Jesus. So I'm going to bring Jesus to these people. And he goes there and on the way to America, he's on the ship and there's a group of German immigrants who are in the hold of the ship with him. Uh, they're, they're very simple people and, uh, you know, they have a very simple faith, but a pure faith. And he's sitting there and basically what happens is there's a, a huge storm that, that rages. And the storm is so violent that John Wesley fears for his life. And he's sitting there shaken and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he looks over at these German immigrants and they're singing hymns and they're praying. And they have like serene expressions on their face. You know, they seem to have this joy and peace that he does not have. Right. And so the story goes that John Wesley went to, you know, preach uh, to, to people, uh, to, to the native people. And, you know, to, to uh, also um, he was in Georgia. Georgia at the time was a penal colony. That's where like all the prisoners were, were kept. And, you know, he was going to go and bring uh, Jesus and the gospel to these, these, these awful prisoners or, you know, so he thought. Uh, and he was a complete failure. He was a complete failure. Uh, <laughs> the story goes that he, he tried to... Um, he, he fell in love with this girl in town and she ended up falling in love with someone else. And John Wesley ended up uh, refusing her and her fiance communion. He was the Anglican priest in that town. And it just so happened that that woman, uh, her uncle was like, I want to say he was like mayor or some like very important person in that town. And so the uncle, uh, because John Wesley embarrassed his niece uh, in front of the entire congregation, which would have been the whole town at the time. Um, and so the uncle tried to arrest John Wesley. It's very dramatic. John Wesley had to uh, go back to England, uh, just kind of got smuggled on board, uh, snuck aboard a ship in the cover of night, goes back to England, you know, and he wrote this in, in, in his journal. He said, uh, I came here to save the savages. Again, in quotations, I know, politically incorrect, but that's what he said. I came here to save these people, but oh, who will save me? And what he realized was those simple German immigrants had something that he did not have. And so when he went back to England, feeling like a complete failure, he was like, I want to find this community and I want to find what they do not, what, what, I want to find what they have that I don't have. This kind of assurance in Christ. And eventually his life was whole it was, was completely changed when he sought out this community. And there was, there was this guy, Peter Bowler, who took him under his wing and mentored him. And John Wesley had this experience of the Holy Spirit that forever changed his life. He, he felt a strange warming of his heart and he was never the same. And, and friends, I, I wonder if this is what we are meant to be. We're meant to be like the Moravians, those German immigrants on the ship. That when everyone else is freaking out in this world, that they look to us and they say, look at the peace that they have. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you see someone has ordered something really delicious and it's like sizzling on the plates and it's got like wonderful colors and the meat is glistening and juicy and you're just like, what are they having? I want to have that. Right. And maybe someone says, oh, that's the most expensive dish on the menu, but it's so good. It's worth it. It's worth every penny. 
And, and, and I wonder if one of the problems that we have with contemporary Christianity is that people see the cost, right? They're like, oh, okay, I got to give up my time and maybe give up some of the materialistic pursuits that, that someone who, who doesn't have any uh, kind of inclination that Jesus is calling them to something different, um, that, that, you know, you look at that and then you look at what Christians actually are, right? The way that you see them in this world. And you're like, is it really worth it? And, and what, what I hope will happen more and more is that we will start to experience what it means to be the children of God. So, so, so look at this, what it says. It says, and not only humanity, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. So there is this idea that even for people who go to church and were Christ followers, that maybe we're not fully formed yet, right? We still have these things about us where we get led by fear. You know, we have these things about us where we are not completely Christ-like. We're not loving like Jesus, but we see the first fruits of that. You have been activated by the Spirit. There is a place where you have felt a joy and a peace that is unlike anything that this world can give you, right? You can have all the things of this world, but it's fleeting, right? You can have all the treasures of this world. You know, you could play a game and get a, a, a digital sword and it's not real. It's not real, friends, but it might give you some joy, you know, and that's the way everything is in this world. Like, you know, the, the digital pixels are really not real, but even the stuff that you have in this world, the money, uh, the things you can buy with your money, the joy that that gives you is temporary. But when you are touched by the spirit and you know the filling and that, that belonging, that sense that my life is made for something more. There is somebody who loves me more than anyone in this world can love me. And that kind of love is not temporary. It is absolutely permanent and is absolutely filling. It's so wonderful. You're like, I want more of that. And I also realize that as I'm activated by the spirit, and we've been talking about this, becoming the children of God, but it is also sharing in the life of God and being led by the spirit of God. And we love differently when we learn to do that. And the more that we learn to do that, the more we will experience the glory of being the children of God. How wonderful would that be? If you are free from fear, if you are completely free from anxiety, if you're able to love people as Jesus loves people, can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine what Jesus felt like when he healed somebody? Do you think he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I knew I was going to do that. Or do you think it was just so much joy? You know, I, I love to talk about this show that, 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 that I really enjoy. It's called The Chosen, and it's a depiction of Jesus and his life, but also the disciples. That's why it's called The Chosen. It really focuses on the disciples. And, you know, what I love is whenever Jesus heals somebody, you know, there's just so much like joy and laughter. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal when Jesus would heal someone. And you would even see Jesus laughing and enjoying that moment, enjoying the freedom, enjoying seeing that person start to dance. You know, maybe someone who couldn't even stand before, and now they're dancing. And somebody who couldn't talk before, and now they're praising God and singing. Someone who couldn't see before, and now they see the world vividly. How wonderful that is. And how wonderful it is to be involved in the kingdom building and rebuilding 
project where this broken world, you see people start to heal, you know, and there's nothing better. There's nothing that will give your life more meaning. It is worth it. You might think that you're giving up something, that you're giving up a selfish life that you would have led if there was no Christ. And we're so focused on the cost that we miss the glory. What glory is God calling you to? What would it mean for you to say, it is worth following Jesus, right? There's so many songs and so many things we talk about, like I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, right? The cross before me, the world behind me, it's worth everything. And, And I won't turn back to that because I realize that there's something better. You know, and, and, and I would hope that for us, we see that and day by day, we see like, you know, we're still groaning in this world. We, we still realize that we're, we haven't arrived, right? And, and sometimes that can be a bummer. But this idea of what it's talking about, that we, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, our, the completion of this process of becoming the children of God, the redemption of our bodies you know, we've been talking about how we need to be led by the Spirit, right? And not be led by fear. But still, we are at times, we're led by fear, right? We're not always able to love the way that Jesus did. But we can await that eagerly as we see the evidences of that happening. So I want to celebrate that. And friends, if you could join me in a word of prayer, and just to say that, you know, have you thought about this Christian life? Is it worth it? Is it worth everything? for you to follow this Jesus and become like Jesus and experience the freedom of being a child of God, being free from the bondage of fear, being free to love and forgive as Jesus does. It's free to love in this world where it might be a costly kind of love, but so worth it. It, it, It's impactful. It can change the world. What would that look like if we became more like that? What would it look like if the LGM was like that? We just had a a, a congregation of people that were not perfect by any means. But when people see LGM, when people see you, they're like, I'll have what they're having, right? They got a peace. They got a joy that I just, I, I need to have that. Friends, would you pray with me? God, we want to become your children more and more. And we see, Lord, that this humanity, all of creation has been longing for its redemption. God, that, that many of us, Lord, we, we bear the scars and wounds of living life on our own and being led by the spirit of fear, being led by our flesh. Not always being able to be the people that you call us to be. And yet, for many of us, God, we have been blessed to see glimpses to to get a little taste of what the Spirit looks like and feels like when we are led by you, when we know that we are loved by you, and to see what we can become. And, And I just pray that for each and every one of us, that we will long for that eagerly, and that we will be able to say, it is worth it. It is worth everything for us to follow this Jesus, to become like Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.